Back for another week here on the Ed and Red Show. Hello, Liana. Hello, Ed. How you doing? Uh, I I'm tired. You, you really? Yeah. I say it like that because I'm tired too. Yeah, I'm tired. It's weird. I can't seem to get enough sleep lately. I I'm just way too busy. It's 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 springtime in Canada. No, that's not a musical theater song from. Um, what's that movie? The producers. The producers. That's right. Yeah, that's that's not a musical theater number. It's just in Canada. The minute the weather starts getting nice, everyone starts going, let's do all the things. And there just isn't enough time in the day. Well, there is no such thing as springtime, at least not in Ontario. Uh, what, we, what you mean? The one whole week is not real. We went from uh, it being cold and like kind of damp. Right. To being uh, a schwitz. It's like it is so humid in my office that yesterday a group of elderly naked European men showed up with towels just to sit down and, and talk. Your um, office is a sauna, Ed? That's right. 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 Um, and, uh, you know, I got to get the, the little mister. Uh, not a, I'm not talking about a little person. Right. I mean, it's a, a, a thing that makes mist. Right. Um, that cool keeps the, the, the room cool. Um, now you can't, I mean, you can't complain. The reason it gets warm is because there's such big windows and most people don't have windows, so I shouldn't complain. But it gets to be such a steam bath. Um, and it just went just, just like that. But it's very Canadian to complain about the weather. Well, it's, you know, <laughs> the, the weather in Canada is always trying to kill us in one way or another. So, you know, I think, I think that gives us, well, some of us, a sense of perspective on life. I, I can't say all of us lately. I think part of the reason I'm so tired is just you can't talk about anything anymore with more than maybe two other people without someone completely losing it over something. And it is just exhausting, especially since everywhere in the world seems to be in an election cycle right now. Thankfully, we aren't. Yes, we are. Oh, yeah, we are, Ontario. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm glad you were able to block that out of your mind. Yeah, I was. But... I wasn't thinking about it at the time. Yeah. Because it seems like such a low-key election for such an important election. And, and and the funny thing is that's just because it's it's actually so far issues-driven and not just a horrible, nasty something-something, you know? Something-something. All right, I got to remember that. Just a big, you know, the the federal federal politicians are eclipsing are eclipsing the Ontario candidates this week with Pierre Polivier being Pierre Polivier, and then that thing that happened with Jagmeet Singh, and um, you know, it just they haven't gotten into the slugfest yet with the Ontario election. So nobody cares. And this is to me, this is an opportunity to really debate the issues and to really debate the policies. Does the does the Canadian media, does the Ontario media want to bother with that? No, of that's course a loser. Not. People don't want to read about the I, I disagree. They, they want to read about things on fire. I, I disagree. Dumpster I think fires draw. Eyes. I, I think if you can 
summarize the pros and cons of various policies for people, the people who care will appreciate that. The thing yeah, that but will they buy it? Will they will they go to your website? Will they buy your paper? Yeah, statistically or historically, the answer has been no. Which which I don't understand. I mean, I am desperate for that sort of content. I don't like horse race reporting. I don't care what the polls say at the beginning of an election. If the polls at the beginning of an election mattered, why do we have election campaigns? Campaigns matter, right? And it's just, I think there are some really interesting ideas in this Ontario election. And this is the point in time that I start thinking, well, here goes the, the Ontario media completely dropping the ball. And then, you know, after they completely drop the ball in the elections, they start, you know, they start saying what we're more divided than ever or what Canadians really want based on this election is they don't know the people writing this stuff are not regular people. They're this tiny micro community because the Canadian media cloisters together so much that they don't they don't have any idea why a regular person votes the way they do. Um, well, they've never been regular people. Well, They're... some of some of them have. I mean, the 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 people chasing stories for you know some news website, they're they're not the children of elites. But once you get into that media echo chamber, and it's bad in Canada, there there is not the awareness of how people who work in other professions live and, and how they think. And that's the nice thing about, for me, Twitter, is I can have conversations with different types of people. You have conversations on Twitter? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah, I have some really interesting conversations. You should conversations contact Guinness. Why? Because nobody has conversations on Twitter. They have no, arguments. No, no one, I... there's no conversations on, on Twitter. I, I have some very interesting conversations on Twitter about uh, like why people think the things they do. And, and it, it's very, very interesting what's motivating people. You know, I mean, case in point, I'm on the CTV news website right now. There's nothing about the Ontario election. What There's is about, there out of curiosity? What is there? Well, Jagmeet Singh being verbally harassed. Well, you know, that's an interesting story that I'd like to talk about. Okay, we can talk about that. Because I have never made it a secret that I think he's a lousy politician. I think that he, uh, he abuses people's ignorance to try to further his own political career and the fortunes of his party. Okay, um, give some examples of that, because I can't stand it when people say that and don't provide any evidence. Well, he will uh, discuss, uh, he will blame the, the Trudeau liberals for activity or inactivity on a particular portfolio when that portfolio is a uh, provincial jurisdiction, not a federal jurisdiction. And he yeah, knows he's that very most... he's very bad at muddling. No, he's very good at it. Well, he, he knows you know what that I mean? most people okay, don't I agree. know the difference between they think that the federal government, if they want to, can do anything. And it doesn't matter that there's provincial jurisdictions and there are agreements between the provinces and the federal government as to who can do what and the yeah. division of labor. 
uh, he knows that most people think, well, if a government wants to, they can do it no matter what. He, does, he knows that people have that attitude. So he'll blame the, uh, the federal uh, uh, government for uh, inactivity on something like long-term care homes when he knows that that's regulated by the province and it's the province's job to look after it. Um, yeah. And he, so he creates discontent with the federal government by blaming them for something that's not their fault. And he knows it isn't yeah. their fault because he's yeah. not an idiot. Which, which is that that element right there is why I find his statements about the admittedly horrible and bad thing that happened to him. I, I find them clueless. He, well, he's missing the point that he's part of the problem. Well, for those who don't know, he uh, went to make a campaign stop in Peterborough, Ontario, and he was greeted by uh, <laughs> a, a small mob of ignorant morons who were yelling horrible things at him, swearing at him, calling him a traitor, saying he's a traitor to the country. Uh, now, Singh handled it with grace, I have to say. Um, uh, but these people were like, like spittle was flying out of their mouth. Yeah, they were in. These people were insane. Yeah. And it turns out it was organized by this couple that owned this restaurant called Peter Burgers, which apparently has been uh, shut down a number of times due to health code infractions. Um, and they are full blown nuts, uh, conspiracy theorists, uh, racists. This is what I've been reading about. Mm -hmm. um and they're uh and so they drew a contingent around them that you know logs of crap draw flies <laughs> and uh they uh so they have this contingent that's very loud um and so it the, the media captured it and when the media captures something it seems like it is more uh all-consuming than it actually is like a, a a small group of very loud people in uh, Peterborough do not necessarily represent Peterborough. Um, of course not. Of course not. But the media will make it seem like it doesn't even the media make it seem just because something gets covered on the news, it see it, it, it acquires this importance and this yeah. idea that it is all pervasive as opposed to an isolated incident um, because the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Uh, and in this case, the grease is on the uh, the grill that has been shut down many times in Peter Burgers. Um, so the uh, that's what happened when when he was there. And now you're saying that he made clueless comments saying about it. Yeah, because he did say it was an isolated incident as well. But what he said was that, you know, that what does it mean more broadly? Eddie, he said, I think about the message that's being sent to a lot of people that might consider politics and may not now seeing that level of tension and aggression. And that's going to be a lot of people that want to participate in politics that are going to be discouraged. And I think that's very dangerous. Now, again, he's calling out the um, uh, attention and aggression. And he said people should be able to be angry about policies that they feel strong about. People should be strongly, sorry. People should be able to express that. I think that's a fundamental part of democracy, but no one should feel physically threatened or menaced when they're a leader. Now, this all sounds well and good, right? But Jagmeet Singh was calling Trudeau an absolute failure 
during the last election, well, Trudeau was having things thrown at him at campaign stops. So he's, he did, he's saying one thing and doing another. And that's right. Jagmeet Singh in a nutshell. Yeah, I mean, he, he said the right things. I agree with the things he said, but he doesn't walk the talk. Well, when I, it's his I, opposition that because people were pointing out that during the last election campaign, Justin Trudeau had this stuff happening to him every single day. Yeah, people, people were swearing at him. People were saying horrible things about his wife. People were throwing gravel at him and people think, oh, gravel, it's small. That really hurts. I was bullied in like the fourth grade kids threw gravel at me. You can put out an eye with that stuff. Like you can get very, very badly hurt. Not just that, but people shouldn't be throwing anything. People shouldn't be throwing anything. But my issue with Singh calling Trudeau a failure, it isn't that policies failed. It wasn't certain policies that he took issue with. He was calling the guy who got Canada through COVID relatively decently. And if you the, compare uh, us to other places. NAFTA renegotiations. A, a, a lot of stuff an absolute failure that is just not true that it is an emotionally charged um polarized aggressive response that is only going to ratchet up tensions he's a failure he's a people don't want to think that their country is failing people don't want to think we're being led by a failure that wasn't cool it didn't work and he he repeated it even after the election results came in and it turned out the messaging did not work. He keeps doing it. Jagmeet Singh is a part of the problem he constantly decries. And I, that is my issue with politicians like Jagmeet Singh. Yeah, he says the right things when it's easy. But when it comes to being a, a true leader like the late Jack Layton, think about Jack Layton is Jack Layton would pull cheap attacks. When when Jack Layton went after someone, it was surgical. And I, he, he got some good dunks in like the Stephen Harper sweater comment. But it always felt in bounds, even when it was kind of savage. It well, wasn't Jack Layton belonged to that polit that generation of politicians where it was considered more of a, a, a take the gender out of this, but more of a gentlemanly uh, sport than a blood sport. Well, Layton was also playing the long game, right? Well, Jack Layton actually believed, disagree with him or agree with him, Jack Layton actually believed in the policies that he was promoting and he legitimately cared about people. He was a human being. When, when you were in the same space as, as him and Olivia Chow, you actually got the sense that they were humans, which is getting rarer and rarer Polit politicians are becoming increasingly cartoons and, and I, doing it on purpose because you know yes. why because uh, uh, uh dimension and nuance are dead people just want black or white they just want to believe one guy's the white hat one guy's the black hat and they want yeah. it to be as dimensionless as possible as nuance free as possible i good you bad like reasoning with the incredible hulk but that, that's, th that's what they want. I good, you bad. Um, and that's why they dress themselves up in these cartoon characters. Like Pierre Poirier is is a very smart guy. Well, let's let's save him. 
how Let's to see play. Him. Yeah, he knows how to play yeah. the, the, the people he's looking for because he knows they're looking for a cartoon, so he plays into it. But I mean, you know, up up where I live, I see, you know, F Trudeau flags flying from they're always pickup trucks. I don't know why you never see you never see a Prius or a Tesla flying an F Trudeau flag. I don't know why. But then the conservatives tried to get all up in arms because they claimed Trudeau dropped an F bomb in in Parliament. Which is it? Is that appropriate language or is that inappropriate language? Because I'm sorry, I'm. It's not the first time Trudeau's done it. I don't I don't care what happens in, you know, OK, it's ungentlemanly language. Yes, it's a break to the rules. But people fly in those flags here. Kids are out on the street, man. Have some have some not Decency. consideration like these are the people that are all think of the children, but they don't think of the children when they're going around with with these aggressive political statements that do contain implied profanity like come on yes they guys. are thinking of the children they want the children to act like that they're and, setting an example that's how they think children should act that's how they yet, think people should behave like that's that. not what they believe like boobs that's not what they believe i i, I have theories about uh, a friend of mine it came up right. with something we were let's, talking. Let's so we talk can talk about, about that, that after the back, break. Because yeah. I also want to talk about other stuff. Um, so there's much to discuss, much to listen about. Uh, we will be back after this on Saga 960 AM. All right, uh, Leanna, you've got a theory. Let's hear this theory. Or it's not your theory. Yeah. It's, it's a friend's theory. Uh, uh, what is good, this theory? Uh, what is this theory about? First, let's set the table, as they like to say these days. Yeah. My my friend said to me last night that he'd come to the conclusion that conservative thought is nothing more than psychological trauma turned into scar tissue. And I countered him saying, I think that's partisan thought. That that's, you know, far right wing thought, far left wing thought. In general, it's just psychological trauma turned into scar tissue. People don't know how to respond to that. Yeah, but but think about it. What psychological trauma are we talking about? Well, it's all politics of aggrievement, right? It's all I was hurt. Therefore, I'm going to demand and complain and attack other people. I was hurt. Therefore, I hurt as opposed to I was hurt, I'm going to put less hurt out in the world. And I know this is sounding like an It's Not Therapy episode now, but- Thursdays at 7 p.m. on uh, Saga 960 AM, also available on the Saga 960 AM uh, website under podcasts. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Like, I've I've seen some people who, you know, I've met on Twitter who I then do one-on-one sessions, and they're, they're different, right? They're different on social media than they are in person. Well, because they can they can talk in more than 240 characters. I think it's also that people in in those spaces are in a fighting stance. And so it's like stepping into the octagon, going into or the squared circle, going into Twitter is stepping into the squared circle or the octagon with like Twitter Chuck Norris's. And uh, it's a battleground. Well, yeah, yeah, no. I mean, they're going in from a place where they don't feel strong, right? They're traumatized and and they're they're trying to get by, but what they end up doing is acting out of trauma. 
Right. And I go I go in there like, you know, excuse me for going Star Wars, but I go in there like the old Jedi in every movie, not Qui-Gon Jinn. He sucked. But, you know, I go in there Didn't like he get cut in half. No, that yeah, was, uh, but- no, that was the. That was the guy with the horns on his head. He yeah, that was Darth Maul. But but uh, Darth Maul did kill Qui-Gon Jinn, I believe. Somebody's going to yell at me if, if I got that no, wrong. No, I think but you're right. I think he did a kill Star Wars, Qui-Gon Jinn. There's a Star Wars trope where the old veteran, because it comes from Kurosawa films, the old veteran is basically strike me down and I will become more powerful than you had ever imagined. That was Obi-Wan so, Kenobi with Darth yeah. Vader. And then Luke Skywalker, you know, Luke Skywalker does the dirt off the shoulder thing against Kylo Ren, too. And it's the most awesome meme from all the sequels of Star Wars. And that's how I go. That's a a very that's a very I know it's a low bar. Yeah. Damning with faint praise. but, But Mark Hamill has all the memes. Mark Hamill knows how to social media. Right. Mark Hamill's a great guy that you and I both met in person. Wonderful man. In his house. Wonderful man. To this day, that is one of the most cool accomplishments. But is being invited to Mark Hamill's house and hanging out with him but, at his house, but Luke Skywalker. Every time we have crossed paths with that dude, even under stressful circumstances, he has been legit cool. Right? Yeah, he's, he's a good. Just, he's really a cool guy. He is comfortable with himself, right? And so he can drop a bomb, like he can drop a, a dunk on someone on Twitter and he still seems to have class because he's just coming at it from uh, you cannot hurt me here, right? You have no power over me. He's he has finally become a Jedi. He had well, he he is. I mean, that's what's so cool about him, right? Like he, he should wear like black clothes everywhere because he's now yeah. a Jedi. But I mean, enough. I, I could talk about Mark Hamill all the all day. What are we talking about? I don't well, remember Talking anymore. about the fact that po- politics, political, uh, people who get really, really into politics or political issues, it's just psychological trauma that's turned into scar tissue. And the the constant feeding frenzy that is driving political donations is just making that worse. I, I do believe that politics is, it, it, it began to traumatize people a while ago. And those scabs keep getting reopened and people cannot find a sense of peace. And the political parties are more than happy to exploit that for money. Now, since we're talking about scabs, um, we were talking about Pierre Polyavre, uh, and I forgot, I have no idea how to pronounce his last name correctly. Polyavre? Uh, I don't know. Like, yeah. like if you're going to get into politics, have a name I can pronounce. Um, but, uh. Ed! What? Learn to pronounce his name. I, I it's French. It's very difficult. No, it's Quebecois. <laughs> but it's still, it's, it's, it's in the French language. And I don't, Polyavre. Polyevre, I never know with French, like often with, 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 with uh, Quebec politicians, like their last names, the last few letters you don't pronounce. Like, it's, it's like, what? Why are they there if you don't pronounce them? People have trouble pronouncing my name and it's phonetics. So I am always learned like to pronounce. P- I've heard names. Pierre Polev. And I was like, well, what about the R-E well, that, that, at the that, end? Yes. Yeah, or Polyev. Like, what that, about the R-E at the end? Where's the R-E? That slurring of the word that happens in in certain pronunciations i can't so so anyway pp um he has gone all in 
as this cartoon candidate, this grievance-based Trumpian cartoon he's, candidate. He's the edgelord candidate. Candidate. It's he's all in. It's so weird. And the thing is, he is. What makes him dangerous to me is that he's not stupid. The guy is uh, wily. He is smart. Well, he's a populist. He is calculating. And he knows exactly what he's doing. Trump fell into it by accident. He opened his mouth and found people liked it. This is a deliberate surgical uh, uh, procedure by Polyev uh, to uh, attract a certain audience base, a certain voter base, um, and to turn the party in a certain direction. And uh, it's so calculating um, that it's chilling in, in the way that he's not, he's playing these people like they're a fiddle. Uh, he's playing with their emotions and he is deliberately avoiding talking about anything intellectual, anything, anything that would engage the intellect or critical thinking. He goes straight to the gut. And uh, I've got to, you know, admire the precision with which he's doing what he's doing and the fact that he's all in, I think that it's evil, um, but he's, um, he, he, he's, he's not scattergun. The guy knows every single statement out of his mouth is, is prepared and thought about. And um, that is, uh, you know, it was years ago, uh, somebody who we both know in, uh, in Hollywood said that there's two kinds of people you deal with in Hollywood. Stupid and evil and mm -hmm. smart and evil. Mm -hmm. He preferred the smart and evil people because you could at least see where they were coming from. You, yeah, yeah, you, you could, could predict them. You could and you could possibly have a way to um, uh, rebut them. And the stupid, whereas the stupid and evil people come out of left field and they leave you there with your mouth hanging open. Mm -hmm. um, but the fact is you can see exactly what Polyeva is doing. Um, but it's working amongst those spittle flecked people who are willing to say that somebody whose politics they disagree with, it's not the, you know, the old days, somebody didn't agree with, they're wrong, they're, they're stupid, but they weren't evil. They weren't traitors. Like the idea that uh, Jagmeet Singh, whose politics I don't really agree with, the idea that he's a traitor, like that he's trying to, deliberately trying to harm Canada is absurd. It's just completely mm -hmm. stupid. He's someone you don't agree with. His vision, you don't agree with. And you know what? That's okay. But to, to claim that the person is deliberately working against the, like with bad intentions, deliberate bad intentions against the best interests or what he sees as the best interests of the country is stupid. And these people who spout this this crap, which they has been imported completely from the U.S. This idea, yes. traitor, traitor, traitor. Yes. Nobody's a traitor. It's. I mean, whoever well, no, is, is, you know is, what, is a calculating, uh, manipulative person. Um, I I think that he honestly believes his policies are the best way forward. I don't agree with his thinking. But I don't think I, he's I, deliberately what, trying to tank the country. What policies? Um, you know, uh, Trudeau bad. Right. That's the thing. I mean, we we gotta we gotta think about the bad words. Carbon tax. Yeah, we gotta think about the words we use, 
right? Just inflation. Because that one's pretty clever, but uh, Trudeau isn't causing inflation. When we think about the word traitor, right? It comes into this idea of a betrayal. And this is why I think it's funny that these particular types of conservatives throw around the word traitor. Because these politicians know what the reality is on climate science. They know the realities facing the world right now. And they are betraying people who are, you know, just just coming of voting age right now. They are betraying people too young to vote right now by fighting the policies that aren't fun, do hurt financially in the short term, but we do need them so that there is a is a you know recognizable world for people's children to grow up in. And that to me is a betrayal because they know, they know they're BSing. They know, right? They know what the science is. They're going out and acting like like cartoons anyway. That is point out that I like cartoons, but not when they're real people. I, I do like cartoons, and that's why I sort of hesitated on that word because I mean what it is is it's a caricature of popular populism. Like Pierre Polyver um is um Polyevre, sorry, I mispronounced his name. Um I told you he's but I, I corrected myself. He's he's deconstructing populism as he goes like the fact on the debate he talked about you know what did you what did you watch oh a documentary on trotsky so he can see the evils of communism like what no one watches documentary on trotsky nice ben shapiro impression there dude like give me a break and he reads uh he reads uh, uh jordan peterson how did you put it jordan peterson is the smart person for dumb people the, the 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 person that dumb people he's a person who's a person who makes dumb people feel smart yeah because he makes no sense so people can just take whatever they want to take from what he says i see jordan peterson is kind of like this is an old reference the movie being there with peter sellers where there was a simpleton who would repeat lines from tv ads and just and talk about gardening but people would think he was saying brilliant uh metaphorical things and you know he got elevated to the point of being this this wise this national wise man and i mean i i, I think that uh uh peterson's barking mad at this point i think he's actually not well mentally and everything he says is unbalanced and but people seize on it and find some kind of kernel of truth you can find if you look you can find a kernel of truth and wisdom in a Bazooka Joe comic, if you look. Yeah, I mean, I try to be gentle with Jordan Peterson now because, you know, according to his daughter, he does have brain damage from a uh, detox gone wrong. It wasn't that detox in Russia. It's a very complicated story that will because, just take too long. Because most to... people, you know, when you want serious first world cutting edge uh, medical care, Go to Russia. He he didn't want to. I'm not I'm not getting this because I'll get it wrong. But even before, though. Jordan Peterson is a guy to me desperately struggling for control and meaning. And he's one of these. First of all, 
he's a psychologist who spends a lot of time talking about philosophy. He is not a doctor of philosophy. He's a psychologist. And he ends up talking about philosophy and morality, not the same thing. So as soon as somebody starts talking out of their area of expertise, their opinion is worth no more than a layperson's on that subject, right? True. That's like it's true. If I want to talk to a doctor of philosophy, I will order an Uber. Well, technically, my late stepfather was a doctor of philosophy because that's what biology degrees were when he got them. Really? But oh, they, they were philosophy called philosophy and biology yeah. because it's like you know people who take philosophy you get a degree in philosophy in in school now. It's like, can I take but, your order? But the big the big problem with the way Jordan Peterson presents his arguments, nobody cares about this. And this is why it's so hard to, to talk about this stuff is that he actually butchers formal logic. He makes mistakes in formal logic and you try to explain that to someone who does not understand formal logic and they just get mad because something about the maze of the way he speaks was comforting to them. And when you start pointing out that it doesn't make inherent sense, they start, oh, well, what he clearly meant was, and then they see something absolutely reasonable, which is absolutely not what he said. So his voice is kind of like that radio playing music for the Tasmanian devil. Well, if you actually watch videos of him speaking, of which I've watched far too many. I've watched none too many. There, there is a... It, there is an outpouring of emotion. Like he's shaking. He cares he so much. About what he, he does. And, and, and that it, it's impossible as a human being not to connect to somebody feeling that much. But then when you actually break down what he's saying, it's, it's bonkers. Well, it's, it's circular nonsense. He's a Jungian. Right. And he, he works in a lot of a lot of Jungian ar archetype theory. And the problem is he he conveniently just leaves out certain pieces of data that would completely invalidate his hypothesis. I like how <laughs> we assume our audience is so smart that we can say Jungian and not even explain it. Go well, on. I, 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 the idea of architect, the guy, you know, the phrase. Don't explain it. Let him look it up. That's what Google's for. Well, Young some, is spelled with a J. It, it's it's metaphor and archetype and, and dream theory and 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 that, you know, Sigmund Freud, Carl Jung, that kind of stuff. Um, but have we got to go to break? Well, yeah, we should go to a break. Okay. I, was, I didn't want to interrupt your thought there, but I interrupted your thought there. Well, and that's why I figure go to break, come back, pick this up. All right. We're also going to talk about. Um, abortion in canada and and panic and um um yeah i can uh, i can tie this into stuff? what i was just talking about i have no doubt all right um we'll be back after this saga 960 a.m so before we took a little break there yeah. you said you were going to tie things all together your grand unified theory of everything because i mentioned the panic over abortion rights in canada which i have my opinion on that Apparently, because well, I don't have a uterus, I'm not allowed an opinion, but I'm going to offer it anyway. But you're not bitter. I'm not bitter. I'm pissed off. The difference. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the idea. I mean, okay, let, let's, let's well, set the table. Where were we? Where, let's okay. go back to where we were we, and get to where we're going. We brought up, very profound. Uh, we brought up, but you see, you had an emotional reaction and that came out before anything else. 
I talk. This is turning into another reaction, but at least you admit it. And I actually uh, one of the questions for for next week's It's Not Therapy is about panic. And Thursdays at seven o'clock, Saga 960 a.m. Thank you. These are not intended as plugs, but thank you, Ed. Uh, One of the things about panic is people try to fight strong feelings like that. And I think one of the reasons that Jordan Peterson appeals to a certain subject subset of humanity is he doesn't this isn't intentional. No one's aware of this. They think it's all very logical and profound, but there's a catharsis watching a grown man tremble and cry talking about things. You really think so? I I do because I've watched the videos and I feel for him. I actually do feel. Really? Do you feel for who was that lunatic, that uh, conservative commentator who used to cry all the time? He was a popular conservative uh, commentator and he used to cry all the time. I was I think he was on Fox. <laughs> OK, the thing the thing about Jordan Peterson is he actually is sincere in his ramblings. And that that's that's what makes it compelling. It feels very authentic because in that moment it is authentic doesn't mean it makes any sense. Right. But it is very authentic. And I mean, I'm I'm a very, very em- uh, empathic person. And so it is impossible to not feel for someone feeling that much. And when we get to the whole abortion thing, that is a very real dynamic there on all sides. I mean, I I stepped into it this week and got pummeled by a lot of really bad faith arguments, but then a few people, you know, sincerely thanked me and said, only you could have done that. Only you could have stepped in and, and taken those hits. And, you know, they told me about some conversations they had in their own lives as a result of that, that they felt very affirming. And well, to me, I mean, that's all you can do, right? Because well, abortion, abortion very, makes people crazy. It, well, it's, listen, the idea that somebody is going to tell you what you can do with your body and that you're going to be forced to, to raise a child, a lifelong commitment, like the, the idea that someone's going to force you to do that. Okay. That okay, okay. should make you crazy. I but get here's, that. But here's it the other is, side. Here's the other side. Ed. That- but here's the other side. Here's the other side. Okay. Remember okay. that whole thing that conservative thought is just, is just trauma turned into scar tissue. Yes. A lot of these people grew up like their parents didn't want them. Who? The, the people who are the the you want to kill babies types, they they are not putting themselves in the shoes of the the we're supposed to say pregnant person. But most of the time, it's a woman who who has to make the choice. They are putting themselves in the place of the unwanted fetus. And Wait it's a triggering up, a self-defense mechanism. If they grew up feeling unwanted, why would they want another child to be born who is unwanted? This makes no sense to me. Explain. Because they still have a survival instinct. And so they're, they're having a proxy uh, existential threat reaction that if, if parents, like you know, because they, they love their mama, but 
that they don't feel like their mama loved them or wanted them. Dad wasn't around or dad was, you know, oh, but my parents love me, but but they don't really feel like they did. They never really felt wanted. <clears throat> and so people people tend to put themselves in the place of the person in a given scenario who they feel is most like them. And people may not necessarily be able to empathize with someone facing an unwanted pregnancy. However, they can put themselves in the place of that unwanted fetus. And so they, they, they personalize, they personify a collection of cells into a person. Well, it's, I mean, a lot of it comes from religious teachings, which is Jesus. Uh, see, said, I, don't, I don't believe that. I do Jesus not believe said, that. That's a crutch. That's Jesus an excuse. Jesus said as much about abortion as he did about parking tickets. In other words, nothing. Right. Um, and, but the thing that gets me is <clears throat> what's well, happening and, and, in the- And chemical abortion existed back then. Well, they had like herbs. I mean, like that. Uh, many of the founding fathers also dabbled in, uh, you know, medical like it would be considered alternative medicine right now. And one of them, I believe it was Benjamin Franklin, actually had an abortion cocktail in one of his journals. So here's the thing. Fascinating as that is. Uh, well, that no, that just when you talk about originalism and intents of the founding fathers, Obviously, some of them had no problem with abortion, right? Well, they also weren't Christian. They were they were they deists. were deists. Yeah, they believed in a god, but they didn't believe in Christianity. Yeah, um, but you, you know, all the logic in the world, Ed. This is what I'm saying. All the logic in the world will not persuade anybody one way or the other on this issue because it is all overwhelming emotional responses. Well, I understand. Like, what's happening in the U.S. is frightening to me. The idea yeah. that they're going to overturn Roe versus Wade and that half of the United States is going to uh, ban abortions. That is frightening to me. The yeah. idea that a, a country as uh, potentially, potentially educated um, and potentially modern or ability to be modern as the United States, so many of them are willing to turn back the clock to horrible times um, the, 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 the direction the United States is taking, going backwards in time to a time that never really existed except in horrible ways. Um, that's frightening to me. I, I hate seeing that. It yeah, bothers. it's very hard. It's it really, really hard. Me. Yeah. Um, and, but the, the, then I was like, how long until news people here start stoking the idea that Canadian women have Measure. to be afraid for uh, that the abortion that we're going to get an abortion law here, not that it's going to get changed. measured in minutes. Ed. Yeah, and the hot take started dropping. And, and I pointed out that, look, our political system here is different than the United States. Our legal system is substantially different than the United States. Ah, our, this is logic. Our public opinion is is overwhelmingly pro-choice, unlike in the U.S. where it's divided. I mean, still oh, in the U.S., Majority of people are pro-choice, but here even more are. Um, uh, these things matter, and yes, there are like, and, and of course, there the lunatic fringe of uh, anti-life, uh, sorry, anti-choice people. Um, Did you jump to DC Comics there? Were you about to talk about the anti-life equation? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> because the, you said uh, anti-life, I was like, "What? Did uh, we just change subjects?" 
Oh, your mind is a wonderful place. Yeah. Um, these people, like, they're, they're getting attention now. They're, they're going to do a march for life because they're emboldened by the U.S. Okay, um, but, but the fact is, there, there are no new people, really. There's no mass, uh, uh, mass uh, movement uh, against uh, uh, abortion rights in this country. There are the same people who have always been against abortion rights and who have been ignored because it wasn't a news story at the time are now getting attention, but there's not more of them. They're the same people that were there and always will be there. But because they're getting news attention, remember I said earlier, when the news focuses on something, yes. people think it's a bigger thing than it actually is. People are thinking, are uh, that the, the people women in the States thought that it would never happen and we That's can't take actually it. actually not true. No, it's not true. Yeah. And we, we can't, we can't uh, assume it's not going to happen here. Okay. You don't have to assume I'm saying, to assume, I'm saying imminently right now, what's going on between Canada and the U S the difference, there is no imminent threat of a, an abortion law being passed in, in, uh, in, in the federal government because the Supreme Court effectively quashed it, trying to come up with a law that uh, will, will uh, jibe with the Charter of Rights of Freedom, practically impossible. Um, and, and none of the conservative candidates running for leader of the federal conservatives have said they'd, they'd push the issue. The closest is, what's her name, uh, Lewis. Leslin Lewis. Leslin Lewis. She's a lunatic. Yeah, but she didn't even talk about a law. She just says conservatives need to have more conversations about it. But every other candidate has said, no, they're not. They're not reopening this. They're not. And those are those are the conservatives. Yeah, so uh, we have to go to a break and I wish we didn't. Um, OK, but um, but I want to I want to talk to you about the flaw in your approach here. Ed. Let's do that. When we come back. Yeah. OK, back in a minute. Okay, we're back. We've got a few minutes. Tell me about the flaw in my approach. Is it because okay. I'm talking about logic? Well, you you have laid out a very logical argument, right? The facts are on your side, everything like that. But not only are you talking about logic, you are not validating the emotions of people who are frightened. And so they're they're attacking you, right? Well, they're telling they're, me because they're, I'm a man, I don't get to have an opinion. Which and and that, that's ridiculous because you don't get to have an opinion on what an individual woman does. No, you, but, you, but I can have an you, opinion. on. And you're not helping. You're not helping by interrupting me here. OK, <laughs> you're not helping. Perhaps this is part of your issue here. I but, don't think so. But um, you do. This is about policy and this is about trends. And so, yes, anybody of, of any plumbing configuration out there has the right and, and, and the space to say what they think will happen in terms of policy, because you're not personally voicing your opinion on the morality of abortion. That's the line there. However, you do tend to come across as not really getting why people are afraid because the the likelihood that um they could they could take this away is slightly greater than zero right well sure slightly greater than zero 
Right. People, some people absolutely need certainty to feel comfortable. And what this has done is people, Roe versus Wade gave a lot of people a false sense of security about how enshrined abortion rights were in the U.S. And that's a failure to understand how the U.S. system works. The, the, the Supreme Court is not supposed to make law. What they did was struck down, they struck down a law and created a precedent, a legal precedent. Now, um, I, we don't have time to get into this, but people have suddenly realized that they can't rely on the systems and liberals freaked out because of guilt, right? Liberals have been voting stupid for about 40 years now. They didn't focus on courts. They didn't focus on those lower- This is in those, the US. Yeah, no, here too. All right. Liberals don't get a, and by lib, I mean, liberal here is a moderate party, right? But progressives out here don't get involved, don't go out and vote and don't learn about the issues in their own community. They nationalize everything, which is why Doug Ford has something like 38% support in Ontario concentrated outside of the GTA and among men. They're not focusing on those state and local races or provincial and local races that actually affect their day-to-day lives much more. And not only are they panicking, but they're panicking so they don't have to feel guilty about their own blinking laziness because now they're, oh, I should have done this. Oh, I should have done this. Because again, people who are, are significantly outside the mainstream in politics, it's all trauma it's collective trauma that has just become scar tissue they're all not right. owning their ish we're bringing it all the all the way around yeah. together a good place yeah. to wrap it up um we have enough time to say you should listen to liana's show it's not therapy which provides uh common sense non-judgmental uh advice for everyday oh, I, I, I judge i judge it's just usually in a person's favor Okay. Um, well, we judge. That's why we have judgment. And a friendly ear. Uh, hit show now here on Saga 960 AM, 7 PM on Saga 960 AM on Thursdays, but it's also available on the website, uh, saga960am.ca under the podcasts uh, uh, tab. So mm-hmm. check that out. And, uh, and that, with that, it's time for us to uh, say our signature uh, farewell. Leanna, if you would do the honors. Bye-bye. 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 <laughs>